You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. a saying of God. That's what Jesus called it, a saying of God. Theologically, a saying of God equates divine truth. According to John 8, 31 and 32, in part, When we believe the word of God, the truth can make us free. It can change our life for the better. It can deliver us out of whatever has us bound or tied up. You will know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth shall make you free. So again, the saying in the text equates God's truth, something that has the capacity to change our lives for the better. The saying was primarily about the resurrection. Literally, resurrection means to rise from the dead. The primitive root of resurrection is to stand up again. When you consider that, it speaks in reference to someone falling or being down. But then God in his omnipotence shows up and causes the person that is down to come up. Nothing but a portrait of what he did for us. When we down until he showed up. When we messed up until he showed up. When we in the hole until he showed up. Don't try to act like you weren't in no ditch. You was in some kind of ditch. It could have been a drug ditch. A crack ditch. It, could, it was some kind of ditch. But when God showed up. He calls you to stand up again. Part of your testimony is the only reason you're standing is because God calls you to be resurrected. Whoa, look at somebody and tell them if it hadn't been for God, I'd still be in the hole. I'd still be in that ditch. I'd still be shooting. I'd still be slinging. I'd still be doing this, that, and the other. It wasn't nobody but the Lord that caused me to be resurrected. I like the way Paul said it. Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. All things have passed. And then Paul said, look, behold. Everything is new. You know you look better than you used to look. You know you're doing better than you used to be doing. You know your life has been changed for the better. Don't try to be uppity on me. You know you came from the bottom and it wasn't nobody that, but God that raised you up. He fulfilled his promise. You know what he said? I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'll cause you to live above only and not beneath he'll bring you out of the hole 
somebody going through something right now and, and you're a little depressed about it, you must forget your testimony. God delivered you the last time and he going to bring you out this time. God showed up when the doors were closed, opened them up because every door that man shuts, God can turn around and open it up again. But on the other hand, if God shut the door, can't nobody open it but him. And so it was a saying about the resurrection. God will resurrect you to the point to where he'll cause you to recover your God consciousness. You get to going through things. You can forget about how awesome your God has been in your life. And so God has to send a resurrection to you. Sometimes it's a resurrected word. It's a word that'll get your attention to remind you if God did it then, he'll do it now. If he sent a word to heal you back then, he'll send you a word to heal you right now. A recovery of consciousness. Then God has sent a resurrected word to cause you to remember to make the right choices, choices that are in line with his will. Because the enemy will throw a curve at you if you're not careful and cause you to forget from whence comes your help. You know Psalm 121, when David decreed, I will look until the hills from whence cometh my help. And then decreed my help comes from the Lord. And so when Jesus starts talking about the resurrection, he brings up a saying of God. And the first part of the saying that I want you to get into your being is that God is not the God of the dead. Woo! God is not the God of the dead. Now let's just deal with dead because dead is a very complicated word. It does not mean that you have literally ceased from a physical standpoint. Some folks, they think when, when you're dead, that means you're no longer breathing. But you can be breathing but still be dead. And so let's deal with it according to the text. First of all, to be dead means to be unresponsive in reference to faith. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But then some people are dead when it comes to faith or the hearing of the word of God. They won't respond. They will not respond. It's not hidden the way I want it to hit. Let me go out another way. Let's go to the book of James. Let's go to the book of James. You need to get this because you may be a dead person and not know it. <laughs> if you're dead, we want you to know you're dead even though you're breathing. You're in good shape physically, but you're still dead. Consider James, the second chapter, verse 17. Does also faith by itself, 
if it does not have works, it's dead. It's dead. Yeah, you heard the word, you amen the word, but you didn't put the word into action. Therefore, your faith is. You turn in victory about the word. You were excited about the word, but you still didn't put it into action. Therefore, your faith is dead. It's dead. Now, when you're dead, it also represents you being a person that does not praise the Lord. Get this. You, you can be clapping to a song in church, but it does not mean you're praising the Lord. It could be that you just like the beat of the song. <laughs> you like how the musicians are. Uh, Playing the instruments. And so you're getting into it. But you're not praising the Lord. You, you just like, again, the beat. To praise the Lord means to give him thanks and to worship him. I said to praise the Lord means to give him thanks and to worship him. To worship is to show God your dedication. The root meaning of worship is to prize. Show God how valuable he is to you. God, I'm in your house. I'm tired. I just got off work. But you're so important to me that I had to show up and give you the highest praise. I had to show up despite the pain that is in my side to say hallelujah to your name. Lord, they said I shouldn't even come to your house this morning, but I had to come to give you some Judah. But when you are a dead person, You're not dedicated to doing what God would have you do. Oh, let me go to a scripture. Let's go to Psalm 115. Y'all stay with me. Psalm 115 and 17. Ready? Just catch up with me. Psalm 115 and 17. Those of you who are not there. The dead do not praise the Lord. They will clap for a song. But it will not be because of the king of kings. The Lord of lords. They are turned in victory because everybody around them is turning in victory. But they will not be doing it from their heart because the dead do not praise the Lord. Somebody ought to know by now if they're dead or not. Woo, you ought to know if you're living or you're dead by now. Some of us, we going to praise him anyhow. Headache, but you're going to praise him anyhow. Done had a bad diagnosis, but you're going to praise him anyhow. Folk telling you not to do this, but they don't understand. You're going to praise God despite what they say. Because in your being is, can't nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody do me like Jesus. Y'all better help me around here. Tell somebody I'm going to praise him anyhow. 
yeah, I like to hear Josh. I, I, I like to hear him on the drums. I like to hear Chef on the keyboard, but I'm going to praise God anyhow. It does not matter if nobody is on the instrument. I'm still going to give him a dance. I'm still going to turn in a little victory because I done found now that if it had not been for Jesus, I would be in a mess. Stay at home if you want, but I got to go and give God the praise. I got to go. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm going to enter into his courts with some thanksgiving. I'm going to enter into his doors with some praise. David got so happy about praise until when he finally decided to, to close out the book of Psalm, he decreed, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise him on the high sounding cymbals. Praise him on this, that, or the other. Let again everything that have breath praise the Lord. I need some serious folk now. If you're serious, just tell somebody, I will praise him. Yeah, I will praise him. Matter of fact, go to the country with me and just shake your head. I will praise him. Yeah, one more time. I will praise But if you're dead, as a reading, if it ain't your song, we know you ain't going to clap. If it's your song, you'll be doing, whoo, that's my song, girl. That's, that's, that's my song. But see, you can be all key. We still going to give God the praise. The harmony ain't right, but we still going to leap. Because it's bigger than the praise team. It's bigger than the musicians. It's about the one that saved us when we couldn't save ourselves. It's about the one that pulled us out when we couldn't get up ourselves. But the dead do not praise. Taking it further, the dead are those that are not connected. Get this. To legitimate power. And when I say legitimate power, theologically, I'm speaking about the power of God. Jesus himself said in the book of Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When you know that you have the Spirit of God abiding down on the inside of you, yeah, fear going to come, but fear going to have to bag down. Because in your mind, in your being is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus said you're going to have the tight power to where you can cast out demons. Where you can tread on serpents. You're going to have power to where you will speak boldly in the midst of vipers. If you have the spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you, say to somebody, I got some power down on the inside of me. I got that power that leads me. I got that power that helps me. I got that power that sustains me. I've got that power that will bring me through anything that comes upon my life. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Oh, if you're happy about the Holy Ghost, tell somebody I thank God for the Holy Ghost. 
Yeah, you got folk that testify they have the Holy Ghost. But any time you put something before God, you ain't got the legitimate spirit of God. Folk who understand the truth when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you have power and that power guides you when it comes to every aspect of your life. And I love the Holy Spirit because he will not guide you down the wrong path. According to John 16 and 13, he will guide you, get this, into all truth. Walker, they saying that, but don't you listen to that because I want you to, I want you to do such and such and such. And such. They gonna talk about you like a dog but remember now, I told you that, that if I'm for you and if the whole world is against you we'll steal more. Walker, remember now, they gonna talk about you but I told you that the ways of man are not as the ways of God. As high as the heavens ear from the earth so are my thoughts and so are my ways say to your neighbor I got some legitimate power because I have the legitimate one on the inside of me and in the time that we're living in you got to know that you have the Holy Spirit. You got to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. You're holding on directly and indirectly. When Walker ain't around, you got to know when the Holy Spirit telling you to do this, that, and the other in reference to your job, in reference to your life, in reference to your money, in reference to your health. But you got to come in here God conscious. Because when God lays a word on the table for you, you can't be talking about, I got to go home and pray about this. No, you got to come to the church ready. That way when God puts the word on the table, you didn't just come just to be coming. You come in to eat God's word. Because if you come hungry, according to Jesus, you're going to be filled with righteousness. I'm not the God of the dead. I be trying to tell folk what God is doing. That well, you gotta use common sense. So now common sense is bigger than God. So now common sense is directing you instead of the Holy Spirit. I didn't get the memo from heaven that common sense is greater than the Holy Spirit. But then again, it didn't no memo go out because Jesus himself said, heaven and earth shall pass, but not my word. Don't add one jot. One sentence, one word to his word, no take away. His word is his word, and it ain't going to change because his word is God. Where you get that from preacher John 1 and 1 and following. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And according to Malachi 3 and 6, God or his word changes not. Jesus equates the word. That's the reason Hebrews 13 and 8 tells us Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. I'm not the God of the dead. Now, some folk you can preach to all day, they still ain't going to change. That's a dead person. Some folk you can show in the Bible, they still ain't going to receive. That's a dead person. And if Jesus don't deal with the dead, we don't need to deal with the dead. 
dealt with Lazarus that was literally dead because Lazarus died in faith to the point to where when he heard the word, Jesus said, come forth, Lazarus got up. But there are people that are unresponsive. They don't want the word. Some of them are our kinfolk. Some of them are our colleagues. I said some of them are our colleagues. But then Jesus revealed in the text back in Matthew 22 that God was the God of the living. Living represents, number one, people that are conscious of the things or doings of God. You're conscious. You know that there's a pandemic going on, but you know more so what God is doing. God's word supersedes whatever else is taking place. What's going on in the present right now is temporary. Let me give you a scripture, 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. Paul revealed, for the things that we see or experience, these are temporary. He said, but the things that we don't see, the God things, these are eternal. I can't keep focusing on the temporal when God is trying to do the eternal in my life. I can't get hung up in the temporary when God came to give me the eternal. I came that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Why you looking at that death? Then I tell you the thief comes not. But for the steal, kill, and destroy. Look at me. Focus on me. I have come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Who are you? I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one that came to take care of you because you hadn't been taking care of yourself. I'm the one that came to supply all of your needs. I'm the one that came in the volume of the book in order to fulfill the will of God. Not just his written will, but the will he has ordained for your life. You think your destiny is this, but your destiny is according to the will of God. I'm the God of the living. And see, you have to be conscious of what God is doing. You have to be conscious of the seasons of God. The present will mess you up. Yes, it will. We got example after example of people getting caught up in the present. And when all was said and done, they never fulfilled their purpose. Moses got so caught up in what the people were doing in the present to where God said, look, Moses, I appreciate you leading the people this far, but I can't let you go in the promised land. But I am going to let you see it. I don't want to get to the promise. And not get it because of allowing my present 
to be more significant than my destiny. Can't let that happen. And so he is the God of the living or those that are conscious. Conscious of his doings, his season, or the things that pertain to him. The living also represents those that are led by the Spirit of God. Let me show you something. Go with me to the book of Romans 8. Y'all stay with me. Romans 8. Lord, when I said that, y'all got real quiet. Y'all still love the pastor, don't you? All right, he's stepping on toe, but you still got to love the pastor. Romans 8 and 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, now notice, these are the sons of God. Now notice he says, for as many, male, female, that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, sons in the text is used in a figurative sense. It means the mature of God. See, there comes a time to where you have to put away childish things. 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. Paul said, when I became a man of mature, I put away childish things. See, see, there comes a time to where you just make up in your mind, I'm going to do what God would have me do. I'm going to stop letting my mama, my cousins, and other folks run my life. I'm going to do what God would have me do. And when you make such a decision, you're mature. But as long as you allow folk to be your spokesperson and your guide, you can talk in tongues all day. You're not mature. When you become mature, God is first in your life. Look at the text again. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of the mature of God. More so than anything, you can't allow your flesh to be your leader. And like it or not, when it comes to being led by the Spirit of God, sometimes the Spirit of God is going to tell you to do something that your flesh just ain't going to be in agreement with. Something God tell you, you'll try to figure out how it's going to work. It's just certain things you just can't figure out. You just got, you just got to trust God. God can tell you it's going to be okay. And that's all he tell you. It's going to be okay. And you're trying to figure out how it's going to be okay. No, don't try to figure out how it's going to be okay. Like, okay, God, it's going to be okay, okay then. And then time he tell you it's going to be okay, everything that can go wrong takes place the next two days. But you got to have in your mind, the last thing God told me to do was, was to just know it's going to be okay. So I'm in okay mode no matter what happened. I'm in okay mode. And when you get in okay mode like that, you are a son or mature person in God. How many understand? And so you're led by God. You're led by him. And everything he tells you to do, again, is not going to be popular. But it's going to be right. And so you have to understand that, that Paul let us know in advance that no matter what you go through, if you're in God, it's going to work out in your faith. Romans 8 and 28, all things, what? Work together for the 
good to those who love God. Love in that particular verse equates obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep or do what I tell you. You'll keep my commands. When you obey God, it's going to work out for your good. They talked about you, but just obey God. God told you don't say nothing. You want to say something, but don't say nothing. Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm burning ready to say, walk off, walk off, walk off. Get in your car. Go on down the street. Right? In my clothes. He specifically deems himself, again, the God of the living. But then he names three people that he is the God of who are dead, who were dead at the time. When Jesus penned this, Abraham was literally dead. Isaac was literally dead. And Jacob was literally dead. Why do you stress that? Because I want you to understand this text is bigger than literal death. Because he called himself the God of three men that were literally dead. They were literally dead. But he proudly said God is the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. But what we need to understand about the statement is that these three men exemplified characteristics that were divine. So divine to where God him Self claim them as being connected to him. And so we're going to look at just one characteristic for Abraham, one for Isaac, and one for Jacob, and I'm going to be done. But in looking at these traits, we need to examine ourselves. So we can look at the text from a personal standpoint and say, I know God is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, but he's also the God of Barry. Or your name. Genesis 22 is where we're going to start. Genesis, first book of the Bible. Let's look at this trait of Abraham, why God decreed that he was his God. Let's start at verse 9. This is about Abraham and Isaac. Genesis 22 and 9. Ready? Then they came, or Abraham and Isaac came to the place of which God had told him. So Abraham was being led by God and went exactly where God told him to go. So he's he being led by him. But notice what happens when he, when he gets to that place. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now let me just break in and say he was obeying God. Everything he was doing was... Him showing God that I'm going to obey you. You are better to me. You are more important to me than my son. I've been wanting a son all my life since I've been married. But you are more important than this boy. And I want you to know that you're more important than this boy. And see, that's the trait that he had. He had the trait to where God was more important to him than his own son. Than anybody in his life. And see we have to have that trait. 
God has to be more important to you than your pastor. More important to you than your spouse. More important to you than your doctor. I'm ready to kill, sacrifice what I've been wanting for years because I love you more. I love you so much. If this is what you want me to do, Lord, they may lock me up for doing and saying what you want me to say. But if you want me to do it, if you want me to say it, so be it. Look at this. Y'all see it with me? Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. He knew you, I am more important to you than anybody. See, sometimes God will allow a test to happen to see if he is really number one in your life. See, see, in, in this pandemic right now, God is revealing to folk if he is number one, number two, number three, or number four in their life. He letting them see. He letting them see. He will let you see whether he is number one in your life or not. So that way you, don't, you ain't got to debate with nobody. You see for yourself. See, folk can say this, that, and the other, but God will allow something to happen where you will know for yourself if he's number one in your life or not. Y'all see it with me? Let's go further. Lord, have mercy. Woo! Genesis 25, let's consider Isaac. Genesis 25 and 21. This is just short but profound. Ready? Genesis 25, 21. Now Isaac pleaded. Or he prayed hard with the Lord for his wife. This is the reason she was barren. Now, he prayed so hard. He prayed hard about it, but notice what happened. And the Lord granted his plea. And the Lord granted his plea. Isaac was an intercessor. As people of God, we have to recognize when folks are without what they need and intercede on their behalf. So you can talk about what somebody doesn't have, but if you see they need it, just intercede. Hard. Now notice again the word that, that is used in the text. He pleaded. He sure enough prayed. He prayed the way James talked about it in James 5. You remember when James said the effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. He prayed effective and fervent. He prayed to the point to where you can't help but know that it was a prayer of faith where he totally trusted God. Or basically, he was in line with Hebrews 11 and 6, which states, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently 
seek him. And that's what he did. And this is probably the greatest thing in reference to Isaac is that he was a person that, that learned from his daddy Abraham that prayer works. But you got to be real with it. Prayer still works. I say prayer still works. But you got to be real when it comes to prayer. You, you got to be so real to where after you done prayed, you don't see nothing. You know it's still going to happen. You got to be so real to where it's not about a feeling for you. Because see, some folk want to feel something when somebody pray for them. But it's got to be bigger than a feeling. Prayer is about asking and receiving. That's the reason James decreed, you have not. Why? Because you ask not. Where did he get that from? Matthew 7 and 7 when Jesus said, ask and it shall be Let's go further. Let's look at Jacob. Let's go to the 32nd chapter of Genesis and start at verse 24. Ready? Genesis 32 and 24. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking day. Boy, that's a long struggle. I, I, I have, I, I ain't got a whole lot of fights up under my belt, but I got some fights that I remember. Did I ever tell y'all about that fight me and bro Ricky had? Over the phone. I know back then you didn't have no cell phone. We had one phone. Some of y'all don't even remember the party lines, but this, this was after the party lines. Yeah, Bert Ricky, he, he wanted, he, he was on the phone. I, I told him, hey, I need to use the phone. I got to call this gal, bro. Come on now, you've been on there long enough. He was just like, go on, go on, go on. And I had a little right upper cup that, you know, I used from time to time. Didn't want to use it on Big Brother, but that night, that night, that night. But anyway, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. Because he back there, and I don't want to bring back nothing that might hurt. I'm going to stop right there. But how many know you can fight for like 10 or 15 minutes and be tired? When, when you look at a heavyweight bout, you see folks, when they get to about, they be doing good until about the sixth or seventh round, then you notice that they just start to get tired. And the person that they should defeat ends up defeating them simply because they got tired. But notice right here. Jacob was wrestling with an angel. But he was determined not to quit. He was determined. And see, this is a trait that every child of God has, has to have. You have to be determined that despite the struggle that you go through, you're not going to quit. Man, I'm going through this financial struggle. I'm just waiting for this break. Don't quit. I know it's a struggle. I know it's rough. But whatever you do, don't quit. Stay in the will of God. The best place to be is in the will of God. The worst place to be is well out of the will of God. In your will, God, is where I want to be. And so he struggled wrestling with the angel who was deemed a man because that's how he manifested himself as a man. But he wrestled would not let him. Well, let me go ahead and read. Let me read a little. Let me do what y'all doing while I'm talking. But notice, Genesis 32 and 24. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against them. Jacob was determined. 
He touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And you know he in pain, but he still wrestled. Say to your neighbor, you can't quit. You see why God was the God of Jacob? Jacob would not quit. We give up too quick sometimes. Yes, we do. It don't happen for you in two days. You be like, well, I done waited two days. 20 minutes. In 20 minutes, I'm going I'm to do the alternative. No, don't do that. If you're doing according to the written or revealed word of God, stay in it. But notice what happened. Verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go. Get this. Unless you bless me. Say to your neighbor, stay determined. Stay determined. Until the promise comes. Until the blessing comes. Don't ever give up until the blessing comes. If God says, ask and it shall be given, don't quit until it's given. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, all the promises of God in him are what? And don't quit until the promise comes. And notice what Jacob said. He heard now, hip out of, hip out of joint or out of socket, but he's saying, I will not let you go until you what? Bless me. You got to bless me. That's the only way I'm going to turn you loose. You got to bless me. Verse 27. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, which is trickster. And the angel knew, you a trickster? You a supplanter? But then notice this. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Say, look, I, you may have been a slub, supplanter, a trickster in your past. But your determination says that you are a prince of God. You are someone that is willing to strive for the blessings of God. You are someone that will not quit until you receive everything that God has ordained for you to have. So your name can't remain that Jacob, because there's no way you can have the trace that you have and continue to be a trickster. You are a prince. And so his name was changed. His name was changed. Well, basically, because of his character, God determined that a nation going to come out of you. People with determination going to come out of you because of how you wrestle with the angel. Isn't that amazing? And so, you see why God is the God of the living or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when Jesus said what he said, then back in the book of Matthew 22, verse 33, they were astonished at his teaching. They shocked because they had never heard such revelation. They were astonished and hopefully some said, I believe, receive, and I'm going to walk in. And that's what I'm hoping. That even what I said, if it may have stunned you or what have you, you're going to walk therein. Amen. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.